Hi, welcome to another episode of the Let's Celebrate Learning podcast, where we discuss brain tips for teachers. Today's episode is all about connecting with students through a camera in these times of e-learning. Nikki, from Teacher Nikki on Instagram, has been teaching online for years, and she's sharing here so many practical tips to connect with our students during distance learning using technology. She reminds us to connect with our students like real human beings. She also shares so many practical tips about logistics with our cameras. Nikki teaches us how to set a tone for expectation related to participation and behavior, how to have a teacher toolbox full of games and activities to incorporate throughout our lessons, and the use of props, and so much more. We are up to a treat, so let's dive in. Yanina, thank you so much for having me. What a perfect time to talk about e-learning and connecting with students. I started teaching ESL online in 2016, and it was by chance. I quit my job as a brick-and-mortar teacher because I was seeking more freedom and creativity in my work. And I really started off on an entrepreneurial path when I quit because I had several jobs. I interpreted, and that job was super part-time. A friend of mine had connected me to that job. She had been doing it for several years and she knew the owners. So that was something that I was like, okay, this is pretty new. This is exciting. And by the way, Spanish is my second language. So that's how I ended up interpreting. And then from there, I tutored as well, which is something that I had done before I quit my job. And I knew about finding students through a website called Wiseant. It's W-Y-Z-A-N-T. And no plug there. I don't actually use that site anymore. I mean, I have a profile, but it's it's not active. Um, but if you, you know, if if people are interested in tutoring, it's a great website for finding students. And that was perfect for me at the time. So interpreting, tutoring, and then I was like, okay, what else can I do to bring in some income? Because I really didn't want to go back to teaching in a brick and mortar setting. So I thought about teaching online because I still really enjoyed teaching. And I don't know how I ended up thinking about teaching online, but for whatever reason I did. And it's not what you think it is. Um, At the time, I found tons of schools that were located in the US and I applied to a lot of them and I interviewed at some, but I ended up getting hired at a company called VIP Kid, which is actually in China. And let me tell you, I thought this was going to be a part-time job, but it ended up being my full-time job and it is the best job in the world, the best job that I have ever had. I mean, what is better than teaching people a lifelong skill and serving people globally, you know? It doesn't get better than that. You know, as for me as a language learner myself, I really appreciate and know the value of having a second language, how it can affect your relationships, your mindset, your your point of view of the world, and help your career as well. So anyway, since 2016, I've worked for multiple online ESL schools all based in China. And a lot of people do apply to more than one company to expand 
their hours and recruit other teachers. So uh, the main company I work for right now, and this is where I do the, all of my teaching, is iTutor Group. And I do still have contracts at GoGo Kid and VIP Kid. And I'm, I'm working on a fourth application right now at a company called Palfish, which is like an app. So I thought that would be kind of cool to work for a company that uses an app on the phone, not on, it's not based on like your web browser. So anyway, <laughs> the nice thing about um, where I work right now, and you know, this is all going to lead into how we connect with students, what you want to talk to talk about today about connecting with students while teaching online. Um, my current company has all ages and it, they have students from several different countries. So I I've taught as young as like a one-year-old or not even one, like newborns sometimes come on. This is not common, but you will see like in some of the trial classes where the parents will have the students try the online lesson. So it's like a free 15 minute demo. So sometimes you get babies that come to those. Um, and then I've taught people as old as like their mid 70s. So it's really, really neat to have that mix. And you learn so much about connecting with people from all walks of life. So the company I work for serves people in mainland China, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and Japan. And so that really gives me a perspective on how to connect with multiple ages and people from varying backgrounds. Now, in terms of my passion for teaching online, I would say my passion for teaching has always been there, but this new passion for teaching online kind of started by accident because I didn't really know that was an option. But I've always had a passion for languages and for teaching. I was exposed to Spanish at age seven when I first went on a vacation to Cancun. And let me tell you, it's not the Cancun you know today. It was barely built up. They had one little mall and a few hotels and when I heard the locals speaking Spanish there, I was dying to be a part of that conversation. I was just seven, maybe eight years old. And in that sense, I always had a passion to connect with people globally. And I had pen pals since I was nine years old. So every year I met someone new on a family vacation and we would stay connected through writing letters to each other for years to come. And eventually, you're not going to believe this, Yanina, eventually I got a pen pal from China. <laughs> but this one was different because I never met her. You see, my Spanish teacher, she, this was my, my freshman year in high school, she told my class about an opportunity to write someone from another country. And, you know, I'm pretty sure she was wanting us to write someone from a Spanish speaking country. But I thought, you know, I've been to Mexico dozens of times. I also had a pen pal from Brazil. So to me, like Latin America was a place that I was familiar with. And I wanted somebody who was on the other side of the world. So I chose China. Let me tell you, 
Never in my wildest dreams did I think I would be teaching English to students from China when I had her as a pen pal. I mean, at that time, the internet was so new. This was like 1997. We weren't using it like we do today. So when I think back about that now, it's like I was already on the path to teaching students in the east, in the eastern part of the world. So anyway, my Chinese pen pal and I stayed in touch for 10 years. So it was age 14 to 24. In fact, at one point, we emailed each other, but we lost touch because her email no longer works. And, you know, I moved to a different state at one point, then moved back, and I moved to another house. So I moved around quite a bit. I think she moved around quite a bit. So sadly, we lost each other's addresses and her email no longer works. So I have tried to get in touch with her, um, but anytime I've written her old home address, I've never heard back. So sad, <laughs> but um, it's kind of like now that I'm teaching students from China, both kids and adults, I always wonder, I'm like, what if I have her in class? Or what if I had her kid in class, you know? And so once in a while, I've asked people, I'm like, hey, uh, is that you? <laughs> but no, no. Um, it just, it's just so interesting, you know, how life kind of puts us on a path. And when you look back at certain things, you're like, whoa, I was meant to do this. So now getting back to ESL. I actually never thought I was going to be an ESL teacher. I always wanted to teach high school Spanish, and I did for a while. But you know, the universe has other plans in store for us. I actually taught ESL for the first time as a volunteer in high school and continued to volunteer in college. And I also did like a program as an independent study my senior year. That was like with an organization called Little Brothers Friends of the Elderly. And that was all about connecting with elderly immigrants who didn't have family locally. So I would visit them and spend time with them. And we spoke in Spanish, of course. In that sense, like looking back at my history with my pen pal from China, with even wanting to learn a language from a young age and having all these pen pals and like it makes so much sense for me to talk about the topic of connecting with people. And in my mind, there is not a huge difference between connecting with people through a screen versus in person. You only make it different by letting the screen be a barrier. So don't let the screen be a barrier. So how do you connect with students? How can you connect? to them. I'm going to talk with you guys about five tips for connecting with students while teaching online. So I'll give you guys the list and then we'll go through how to go, how to go about each one. So number one, get to know your students as human beings. And, and let me tell you guys, these tips can apply both in person and online, but of course I'll give you some tips and tricks for specifically doing it online. So number one, get to know your students as human beings. Number two, I'm going to give you some of the logistics because with a camera, you do want to make sure you, you have some of these logistics in place. Number three, set a tone for your expectations related to participation and behavior. 
four, have a teacher toolbox full of games and activities to incorporate throughout your lessons. And number five, we're going to talk about the use of props. So tip number one, get to know your students as human beings. Remember, these can be applied both virtually and in person, but what you want to do is get to know your students the same way you do in person by asking questions, making jokes, being warm and welcoming, make conversation, have some free talk, ask thought-provoking questions that pique students' interests. Once you know what students like, incorporate their interests into your lesson. These are all things I'm sure you guys have heard before. So, you know, if we do them in person, there's no reason why you can't do them in line, online. So here's an example. If I know a student likes a particular sport or game, I'll either, I either ask them to think about the lesson in terms of the sport or play a game that replicates the sport. So let's say a student loves basketball. I could make my questions worth the same amount of points as a basketball game. Let's say I'm asking questions about an article we're reading. They could get one-point answers. They could get three-point answers or do a free throw if they need help with an answer. So just kind of putting a twist on things to make it interesting. Now let's talk about logistics. In terms of logistics, one thing I noticed that's different compared to in-person is that you need to smile more. Now, appearing, you can appear cold on camera. It's a little bit more magnified because you're not seeing a person's entire body. Your face becomes the focal point. And I am one of the most smiley people. Yet when I watched recorded videos of myself teaching, I noticed I appeared to have like a really stone cold look, even though I'm a very friendly and warm person. So this tended to, this tended to happen when I was listening to students. I would kind of just have a blank look on my face, no affect. So just make an effort to smile as often as possible. Of course, you don't want to come off as fake or, you know, robotic or whatever. You don't want to look like a Stepford wife. Um, just nod your head, show you're listening, make eye contact with the camera. And that's actually another tip I'm going to talk about. But so it feels really strange in the beginning in terms of looking at the camera because you feel like you're looking at, you know, you, you're, you're looking at a device. You're not looking at a human if you're looking into the camera. But if you don't do that, then your students think you're looking somewhere else instead of looking at them. Now, you do want to kind of have a balance because when you have a class full of students, you do want to see like what their expressions are. You want to make sure they're paying attention. You want to make sure that they're comprehending. So it's a little bit of a dance. Just take your time to learn how to look at the camera, look at your class, and do a mix of it. So those are the two tips I have for logistics in terms of connecting. Smile and look at the camera to make eye contact, quote unquote. <laughs> okay, next, setting a tone. This is tip number three, setting a tone. So of course, just like any classroom environment, you have to deal with negative behavior teaching online. 
So you want to set a tone what your expectations are and not putting up with the bad behavior. If you have a plan, you will succeed, you guys. If you let things slide, you will be swimming in frustration. So don't let things slide. Now, classroom management is something that is, it takes time to learn that. And it takes time to learn it when you, when you teach online. Um, everyone is different in terms of what works for them. So, you know, I'm not going to tell you an entire classroom management plan, but you just got to test things out. So this is what I do. For me, I always call out the student on their attitude if they're like negative, And I do not engage in any games that they try to play with me. So here's the way that I call them out. I'll say something like, you seem upset or it seems like you don't like English class. Like, you know, just call them out on it to let them know you notice what what they're acting like. And I I specifically want to emphasize the word seem. You seem upset. It seems like because in that sense, you're noticing it, but you're not saying that's exactly what it is. You're kind of asking um, while you're noticing it. Now, if they're honest with you, let's say, yeah, they say, I hate English class or yeah, I am upset. Guess what? That's a good thing because then you know what's going on. You're allowing them to feel comfortable to tell you how they're actually feeling. And that is opening up a door to connect with them. We are human. We can't, I think, you know, as teachers, sometimes we think like, we just want the student to behave and listen so we can do our job. But that's not how humans work, you know? We have bad moods. We have bad days. And some of us, sometimes people have discipline problems. And we as teachers have to know how to navigate that. And I think reminding ourselves of the fact that humans are human (laughs) allows us to kind of take a breath. It helps that frustration dissipate. And it helps you connect and move forward and change. So I'll say something like, you know, if they say, I don't like English class or I hate English, I'll say, you know what, I totally understand. That is letting them know that you are not some kind of militant, (laughs) like strict, super intense teacher. You're, You're coming down to their level and letting them know you're human too. So I'll say, I'll totally understand, but you know what? we're here. So let's make the best of it. And do not give up on being warm and friendly, but you're just setting that tone. You know what? You're here. So we're going to do what we can to get through this together. You're on their side. You want to be on their side so that you can teach them and make it the best that you can. It really helps dissipate their negative energy when they know you're on their side. So if you're doing something, if they are doing something annoying, such as pretending to have a bad connection or they, they um, maybe they're turning their microphone or on or off or being loud or something, you can wait, kind of do that. You don't wanna get, the main thing is you don't wanna get frustrated by it because if you get frustrated, and they see that you're frustrated, they're not going to stop. That to them, that's playing a game. 
So don't engage in that game. You just wait until they stop. And um, you can have a talk with their parents, make suggestions to the parents, like sitting next to their kid or sitting near their, their kid during the lesson, have like a behavior plan or whatever works for you. In the end, just remember, if you've tried all of your tricks, do not beat yourself up if you haven't seen the change you wanted to see. Remind yourself, you tried everything, you're doing your best. You can't change a person unless they want to change. And you're going to do your best to try to show the student why what you're teaching them is going to benefit them. Um, and use your strategies to get them to engage and have appropriate behavior. But remember, it takes time. It takes a lot to influence someone, and it takes a lot of time. So you really are influencing them, but you can't expect immediate results all the time. So tip four, have a teacher toolbox full of games and activities to incorporate throughout your lessons. Kids can be easily distracted in their homes, so it's important to incorporate activities and games and keep them engaged. Some of my favorite activities are guessing games, matching games, and role-playing. If you have the ability to use Google Slides or Zoom, you can play guessing games by covering up the answers like with a, a shape. So you could use like a rectangle shape and make sure you fill it in with a color and then put the shape over the answer. So as an ESL teacher, I do this when students are learning new words or phrases. It's a great way to test their recall of the word. And then matching games are kind of similar. You do like, if you did like a memory game with the same words, you could have the same words on two sides of the page, like a T-chart, but they're the exact same words on both sides, but you're gonna have one side more mixed up so they don't match exactly. And then you cover up every single word with a filled shape, like a square or a rectangle. And then they have to lift one side and then lift the other side. They just choose one word from each side and try to see if it's a match. If it's not a match, you move on. If it is a match, they could go again. So that's like the memory game. You could Google memory game if that doesn't, <laughs> if it doesn't make sense what I'm trying to say. Um, and then you could do it differently too. You could do one side is pictures and the other side is the word. Do it that way in terms of the memory game. Some other fun online games are charades, Pictionary, doing timed activities. See how fast a student can do something like, how many words can you remember from this lesson in 30 seconds? Go! All right, so doing things like that and don't just save those for the end of the lesson. Try to incorporate them throughout the lesson. Um, tip five, the last tip is using props. So the best physical props, because there's digital props and physical. So the best physical ones would be a mini whiteboard, dry erase markers, stuffed animals or puppets, flashcards, and magnetic letters on your, your mini whiteboard, if your mini whiteboard is magnetic. Um, and then the best virtual props are Manicam and Google Slides. So I'm gonna talk about each of these. So for 
physical props. I'm not going to tell you like what to do with each one. I just want to give you some tips. So you want to make sure your prop appears in the camera. So you want to put it right up to where that camera is. And then next, have fun with toys or stuffed animals by making them the focal point. So put them right up in front of your face so that they can see it. And then this works really well for like pre-K to second grade. It makes shy students feel comfortable, allow the students to have their puppets read for them so they can build confidence while reading. If they make a mistake, like it's not so scary to do that when the puppet is reading for them. And then surprise them with, with a puppet or a toy or a stuffed animal. Kind of like take yourself out of the screen and put your, your toy or whatever in front of the screen. And, you know, you can kind of do that strategically based on whatever you're teaching. Now for virtual props with Google Slides, you could put it into your screen by screen sharing. Or you can have an iPad and put it up in front of your camera. But if you do that, your lighting has to be good so that there's no glare and so that they can see it. Um, and then Manicam, this is like a software that you have to pay for. They do have a free downloaded version, but you can't use green screen with it. But Manicam, it adds live graphics, effects and filters to your video. So it's really fun, again, for like surprising students or for showing tutorials and examples on your screen. Um, and if you want to see an example, I think they have like Manicam. It's called, if you just Google Manicam, you can see it. And even on YouTube, there's tutorials for it. Um, and then one more prop I thought of that's actually like a physical prop or you can put it into the screen depending on what program you're using. But pictures, pictures are so important um, for me, especially as a language teacher. Anyway, those are the five tips. So just to recap those, tip number one was get to know your students as human beings. Make sure you have your logistics. That's tip number two, smiling and being in the camera, eye contact. Number three, set a tone for your expectations related to participation and behavior. Number four, have a teacher toolbox full of games and activities to incorporate throughout your lessons. And number five, use props. So those are all your, your tools for connecting with kids or students while you teach virtually. I really hope those helped you guys. To connect with me, you can go to my website, NikkiLubing.com. It's N-I-K-K-I-L-U-B, as in boy, I-N-G.com. And that's also my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NikkiLubing. And then my Facebook and Instagram are both Teacher Nikki, N-I-K-K-I. Thank you again, Yanina, for having me. It was a pleasure. Friends, thank you so much for listening in. I am sure you loved this episode, so give Nikki a follow. And if you want to know more about brain tips for e-learning or at-home learning, go ahead to my show notes and download the ultimate guide to a brain-based at-home learning for learning spaces, design, and instruction. Okay, see you next time.
बाय